I just wanted to say we are studying Ephesians, and as we study Ephesians, we are now in the latter half. So if you have been listening, this is where it gets really, really exciting. If you aren't excited already, I am excited. But I wanted to say prayer, the fact that you have been praying for me is the only reason I realize that I'm standing. The fact that you have been praying for this church, I believe, is the reason why our church is standing So I just want to call our congregation, encourage you, and challenge you to continue to pray for this church, continue to pray for our congregation. I thank you for your prayers for myself, and it is because of your prayers that I am standing here. I just wanted to make that uh, confession. But in this chapter of Ephesians, this, this is so exciting because there's so many in here. I don't think I could get through everything, and I won't. Um... Not, not with the time that we have, but I will get to at least three things. And the three things are, what is our beginning, where is our end, and how do we get there? So what is our beginning, where is our end, and how do we get there? Number one, we are first Christians. I think we've established that from chapters one to three. We are Christians, and what does that mean? It means in chapter two, we are alive in Christ. First one, says, we have a calling. Verse 15 says, Christ is our head, so we are the body. We are part of this church. And so what we realize now is that what makes you a Christian is that you have God in you. In each and every single one of you, God resides. That is why you are a Christian. It's not about... And this is, this is where some people have some kind of confusion. It's not about just you acting morally. Just because we are a Christian, oh, he's a Christian. He's such a nice guy. That is not true. It be, just because you're a nice guy doesn't mean you're a Christian. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you turn into a nice guy. It's not about just acting moral. It's not just about doing justice. Believe it or not. It's not about just being kind. Being a Christian is even beyond that. It's more than that. Being a Christian doesn't mean now you become nice. Being a Christian means now that you have become a Christian, you are what? New. You're new. You were once old before, but now you're new. That's what being a Christian means. It's beyond the things that the world will tell you what a Christian should be or is. You are now new. That's why when we continue to read here, and I'm going to kind of work backwards so that we can kind of see the logic of Paul's argument. Sometimes that helps us. In verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be infants. So if you're new, what happens? And there's some babies here in our congregation. You are a baby. When you're new, you're a baby. What are babies like? Babies are like that. Babies, three things about babies is babies are self-centered. When they need something, what happens? They need it. They will do anything to get it within their power. If they could deadlift 500 pounds, they will crush their parents because, thank goodness, they can't. They could only lift maybe half a pound. Who knows? But they will get what they want at any means, right? They're self-centered. Number two, it says here that tossed back and forth by the waves. What does that mean? It means babies are undiscerning. You can't tell. 
The baby, a baby can't tell what's good and bad. Anytime a wind blows, it just whoosh, they go this way, and the wind blows this way, whoosh, they go that way. So if you have a baby and you've ever taken care of a baby, which I think most of us here have, <clears throat> you can't go to the baby. Here's an option for you. You can either take this seaweed soup or you can take carrot stew. The baby's not going to be like, I like seaweed. You, know, you give it to them. And they can't discern between poison and they can't discern between something healthy. You can't be like, here, here's some poison. And the baby won't be like, that's poison. I don't eat that. They'll eat it. They can't discern. Number three, um, which is also in verse 14, they're blown here and there by every wind of teaching, yes, but also by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You see, babies love to be tantalized. They want to be excited. You want to, you want to take care of a baby, you get a toy, and then you shake it in front of their face, and they love it. You grab their attention. Ten seconds later, it's gone, so you have to find something else to entertain them with because you can't grab their attention forever. And I believe nowadays we have the iPad So that grabs their attention for at least a few minutes more than normal. But babies love to be distracted, tantalized. But you see, spiritually speaking, spiritual babies are self-centered. We can only think about ourselves. This church, I don't know if it's for me, Pastor Gene. I need this, and this church doesn't provide it. Or I don't think it does. This church has this kind of teaching, but I heard from that kind of teaching over there, and then they're blown back and forth. And number three, anytime there's gossip, oh, you love it. Love the gossip. Oh, it goes to the deepest part of our souls. Did you hear that about Pastor Eugene? I was like, I didn't know. Now I know. No wonder he's single. No, I mean, like whatever you may hear, whatever you may hear, you just love it. Please give me some more gossip. And you just love talking about people, about the leadership. And you love it. You ingest it. It goes to the deepest part of your souls. But here, what is Paul telling us? He is saying that you are a baby if you like that stuff. And if you can hear what I'm saying, if you can hear what Paul is saying, what does that mean? If you can actually understand this, what does that mean? It means it's time to grow up. That's what it means. If you can understand, if I, I can't tell a baby, hey, don't be a baby, baby. Grow up. Baby doesn't understand. But if you aren't supposed to be a baby, you can say to that person, stop being a baby. And they're like, oh, I guess you're right. Maybe I should stop being a baby. So those of us who have ears, spiritually, stop being a baby. It's time to grow up. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that. That's where we are. Now, if, if it's time to grow up, where do we grow to? What do we get to? And there's a kind of verbiage, uh, pa- uh, a passage that's used in last week's sermon that also is used again today. And that is the fullness of Christ. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in verse 13. That is the end. What do we go, what do we get to? What's the end? The end is not anything else other than attaining to the fullness of Christ. Now, the end is always romantic for us. Any movie that you see, if it's a love, a story, drama, any kind of action flick, there is a penultimate ending. It makes us feel really good. Don't you love it? Like a good story. Never watched The Notebook, but I heard it's really good. 
But I assume this, and I could be totally wrong. I didn't do any research. Someone always has to die. or There has to be some kind of death something. Something has to die, and somebody has to overcome that. Because that's, that's like love. That's love. And that's the pen ultimate, meaning the final, final goal of someone's life is that it could be like career. Your career could be your penultimate calling. I really want to achieve this. I want to make a Google, that kind of thing. And then you can make a movie about it, and that's their ultimate. And they finally reach it, and you're like, wow, that was glorious. The struggles that they went through finally reached that. Or it could be some kind of romantic relationship. Finally, they have their happy ending, happy ever after, whatever, whatever it is that we finally get to, however and whatever mean. And I think Hollywood has a kind of point. The point is, we all yearn for that calling. We want to reach the penultimate calling in our lives. But here's where they fall short. It's not career. It's not your relationship. And I even dare say it's not your family. It's not all the things of this world. What is the penultimate calling of a Christian? It is to attain the fullness of the measure of Christ. That's what it is. That's what Paul is saying. Anything else that doesn't end up there becomes an idol. And we've seen that happen. If you believe, and it could be a good thing, it could be a great thing, it could be a fabulous thing. Like family, families are fabulous. Like you can say family's the number one thing in your life. But what happens is if we don't put God there and we put something else, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I said, even a family, you could put family up there. Then what happens? Your world starts to crumble because you will start stepping on everything and anything and anyone to make sure that your own family with your own twisted sense of morality gets up there. And then your world will fall apart because you're breaking everyone else's world down trying to get there. Our penultimate calling is to get the measure of all the fullness of God. That was last week. And this week, again in verse 13, it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean for us as a church? Ministry is not the end. Do you hear me? If you're working in a ministry right now, ministry is not the end. It's not the end goal of the church. But we do have works. It's in the, it's in the passage. We have works of service, which is ministry. Why? To build up the body. And when we have ministry to build up the body, you can kind of take it physically. Why do you work out? Why do you exercise? Why do you try to get fit? Isn't it for the sake of working out? No, it's not. You don't work out for the sake of working out. You don't try to get fit for just for the sake of being fit. It's to build your own physical body. You work out, you exercise, you get fit to build your body. That's why you work out. Now, this is why we have works of service. Ministry is there to build the spiritual body of Christ, to build this church. So if you don't have ministry, your body will deteriorate. It will be weak. It can't do normal activity. You will get diseases. That's why ministry is important, but it's not the penultimate. What is the penultimate? It is to attain the fullness, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. But what does that mean? What's that mean? It just sounds like Christianese to me, Pastor Eugene. What does that mean? 
And you look at that, there's a comma right before, anybody knows English, right? Right before the fullness of the measure of Christ, but there's a word there. What is that word? The word is mature. Mature. So that we can be mature. As Christians, our aim is to be mature Christians. Not just any old Christian, but to be a mature Christian. When you are a mature Christian, you can finally reach your potential as new spiritual beings. Are we there yet? I think no. But I'm not just ragging on us. Even Paul, even the great apostle Paul, when he talks about infants, what language did he use? He says, we. Then we won't be like infants. So he's even talking about himself. That means every single Christian, whoever you are, we are infants. I mean, some of us could be just newborns. Some of us could be three weeks old. Some of us could be three months old, but we're all infants. But we need to know that we need to grow. So I believe Apostle Paul was way older than us, but he even admits it, that he's an infant. We need to grow. How do we get there? The answer is unity. Over and over again, Paul talks about one, one body, one Christ, one God. There is a one. And are you one? Are we one? If you look at the person next to you, are you one spiritually with that person? If you look at the people behind you, in front of you, are you one? Now, unity isn't union. Very different things. You can have a union and not have unity. If you want to know what union is like without unity, then what you do is not, don't do it. I'm just saying, as an example, you could take two cats, you could tie their tails together, And then when you see a clothesline, like to hang laundry, just put them over the clothesline and see what happens to the cats. That's union without unity. You understand that? I know some of you are like, why would you ever even think of that kind of example? Mind wanders sometimes, and sometimes you have to entertain it. Anyway, but there can be union without unity. That is not the church. The church... God calls us to be unified. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is power in unity that God wants us to know about. That means when you are one body, you realize that you must maintain the unity. And then there's power. Um, Charles Schultz was a very famous cartoonist. He created a cartoon called Peanuts. And if you don't know what Peanuts is, it means you're very young. But if you know the Snoopy dog, yeah, Snoopy dog, okay. But in this cartoon... Lucy and Linus were watching, their brother and sister, they were watching TV, and Lucy tells Linus, go change the channel. And Linus responds, what makes you think that you can walk in here and take over? And then Lucy responds, well, these five fingers. You see, individually they're nothing, 
But when they come together and I curl them into a single fist, they form one unit and it becomes a weapon that is terrible to behold. And then Linus goes, what channel would you like? And then Linus, while he's walking away, he looks at his fingers and he goes, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) You see, there is power in unity. And you see, when we're infants being tossed and turned by the waves, what does that mean? That means we don't know how to be unified. That means you hear something about someone else on this side and you love it. You want that division and you start being divisive. Don't you see the opposite of unity is division? And don't you see when people are trying to do things, trying to divide the church, saying it's them over there. It's Pastor Gene over there. He's not one of us. He doesn't understand. You are breaking the unity. You are making divisions with the church and that is not what God wants in fact he wants the opposite of that he wants unity he wants us to come together and form a bond that is unbreakable in Christ how do we do that well go all the way backwards and then we see in verse 2 we should be completely humble and gentle Humble and gentle. What is the opposite of humble and gentle? Because this is, this is backwards day. It's when we don't get what we want, what do we do? We rage and then we become wild. We want to flip tables. I joke about that in our, in our leadership. We just want to flip tables and we're so angry. That is the opposite of humble and gentle. When we see something that's not right, we just can't take it anymore. We can't wait. And then this is is a common response. I've waited this long. No more. The second part of that is be patient. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So there's two ways to keep the unity. It is be humble and gentle. Be humble and gentle what? To yourself? No, to each other. Be humble and gentle to each other. And number two, be patient, bearing with one another in love. In love. So how do we deal with one another? How do we foster this unity? How do we make us one? And Paul teaches us. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. Uh, I like the sandwich, like I said. If you look at the bottom part of this passage and you read this part, it says in the last two verses, he goes, instead. So instead of being a baby, now what do we do? Instead of being a baby, speak truth in love. So how do we act out being humble and gentle how do we act out being patient how do you act it out you speak truth in love and then you will grow to become a very respectable and mature body of him who is the head that is christ you see paul is start not not stops talking about individually now that now after you become humble and gentle after you become patient you will be a mature christian he's saying this one body will become a mature christian then it becomes we and he starts talking singular we one this one body will be mature see when we start maturing it's not i'm mature this person's immature it's not about that and in fact you know that any kind of teen dynamic works that way 
Like when I used to lead a lot of um, praise teams and we used to do uh, some retreats for youth and people of young people, young people. And then when you go, what you realize over the years is your team is musically is only as strong as the weakest person. So if your drummer is weak, just as an example, if your drummer is weak, then what you do is you really cater to the drummer. And then you start bringing him up to everyone else's level. You can't just be like, oh, drummer stinks. Let's just do whatever we want to do. Then the team is still weak as the drummer. And then you see it's so important. The only way we can do anything is if you're one and you're only as strong as your weakest person. So how do we do that? He talks about speaking truth in love. It's so important that we get this, speaking truth in love to each other because I think there are two kinds of people here, mostly. People that love to speak the truth. And they just love it, but they have no love in them. So they're just like, ah, oh, they're just brash and they just... Like, rah, they, bur- they verbally vomit anything that, that's in their, in their mind because they think it's the truth. And when you do that and when you talk like that and when you, when you talk with anger and like that kind of emotion that is not in love, what happens is the other person becomes hurt and then you, you, you destroy that person. It's, it's almost ridiculous if you think about the body. The body, if we have a gash on the left arm, the left arm cannot take care of itself. You can't go, oh, I could take care of myself. What happens? The right arm takes the medicine and applies it on the left arm. Don't you see that we as a body, when we need to speak truth in love, you need to apply it in love and then you need to take care of that left arm because we are one. It's ridiculous to think you need to take care of yourself. Get out of my face until you get ready. And then you can come talk to me. If we are one, it doesn't happen that way. And the other part is people just want to love, but they're so afraid to speak the truth. Oh, yeah, this, I know this is wrong, but I, I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't think it's right for me to say anything. I don't know. Who am I? Who am I, God? And people respond that way. But I'll tell you, the, uh, that side... It may be covered in this kind of, I don't know, people might think that's humility. I, I don't think so. That's pride. You don't want to hurt that person's feelings. Why? It's because you don't want them to dislike you. You can't take it that another person doesn't like you. So, oh, no, no, we shouldn't uh, just leave that one be. Uh, let, maybe it'll work itself out. Man, the left arm is dying. It's going to get infected. There's medicine that needs to be applied. And so you need both. You can't just speak brashly and think it's truth and just say whatever you want. But you can't just sit there thinking, I can't hurt other people's feelings. So you need both truth and love. Remember that. If we want to be humble, if we want to be gentle, if we want to be patient, start learning to speak truth and love, that's how we maintain the unity within this church. And while we do that, then we, be, we will become strong in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What happens when you see a church unified? I'll end it with this final uh, illustration, I suppose, but one of the movies I loved watching growing up was a movie called Gladiator. And it's just the beginning scene. 
Like he bends down and grabs the dirt, puts it in his hand. It's like, well, I don't know what that's about. As a kid, I was about, I love it, right? I just want to like put some dirt in my hands too. And then you'd watch him. But in that beginning scene, they are fighting the outs, in the outskirts of what was then the Roman Empire. I believe it's Germania. I could be wrong, right? Um, and then the general says, we need to charge. And he has this cavalry. And as he is charging, he keeps on shouting one thing. Keeps on saying, hold the line. Stay with me. Hold the line. Stay with me. And they demolish the army that was opposing them. Hold the line. Stay with me. Who is the general? Who is the head? It's not me, by the way. That's not the answer. Who is our head? Jesus Christ. He's the head of this church. And he says, as we are fighting the battles we have to fight as a church, he is saying to us, hold the line. Stay with me. And is there any army in this world, in this universe, in any realm that can stand up against the army of God? And the answer is no. Hold the line. Stay with Christ. Maintain the unity in this church. That is what God wants for us. That is what God wants for you. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for your word today. It is a challenge that many of us receive because, Lord, we don't want to stay infants for long. But, Lord, we want to grow. We want to mature. We want to attain the fullness of Christ. So help us to be humble. Help us to be gentle. Help us to be patient. Speaking to one another in truth, in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.